Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Tiniest Twigs podcast. My name is Max Boyum. I can be found anytime online at Max Boyum on Twitter. You can also give us a follow at Tiniest Twigs. Any concerns, questions, threats, all that fun stuff, you can shoot us in an email, tiniesttwigspod at gmail.com. Also, I wanted to throw in there, I mentioned last week that, that we are now officially on iTunes. This is a great opportunity for you to leave us a review, give us a rating, give us an opportunity to help us better ourselves here at Tiniest Twigs. Help us find things that we could be doing better, potential guests, things that I suck at, whatever you feel that you want to tell us, do it. Again, I would prefer, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, a five-star rating, but this show is for the people by me. So help me do better through you and give us that five-star rating because there's no no shame in being overly nice about the podcast. So in the spirit of this entire podcast, and I would say even in the spirit of me, if you know me, I do like to fly by the seam of my pants. And the best way to do that, I'd say, is waiting till the very last minute. Uh, and that's why I'm recording a day before posting this episode here, which is kind of fitting just because it is October 22nd as I'm recording this which is the feast day of St. Pope John Paul II, one of the newest saints in the Catholic world, and again, one of my favorite saints, just because while he was Pope, I was growing up within the church. I'd always idolized him as one of my favorite people and popes, even though when I was young, I obviously had no idea what what I was doing and what he was doing. But still, I think that that is just a testament to the man that he was, specifically, I'd say, to young people. Uh, And I always hear these great stories of his interactions with young people. And I wanted to start with a prayer to St. Pope John Paul II again for his feast day in that spirit of his beautiful testimony and beautiful exhibition of Christ here on earth. And so let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O St. Paul, from the window of heaven, grant us your blessing. Bless the church that you loved and served and guided, courageously leading it along the paths of the world in order to bring Jesus to everyone and everyone to Jesus. Bless the young who were your great passion. Help them dream again. Help them look up high again to find the light that illuminates the path of life here on earth. May you bless families. Bless each family. You warned of Satan's assault against this precious and indispensable divine spark that God lit on earth. St. John Paul, with your prayer, may you protect the family and every life that blossoms from the family. Pray for the whole world, which is still marked by tensions, war, and injustice. You tackled war by invoking dialogue and planting the seeds of love. Pray for us so that we may be tireless sowers of peace. O St. John Paul, from heaven's window, where we see you next to Mary, send God's blessing down upon us all. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, just kind of wanted to set today's episode up with that, with the guidance and prayer of St. Pope John Paul II. And I wanted specifically to talk today about the sacrament of confession, the sacrament of penance and reconciliation, and just a few things within the sacrament that I say I feel have been worn away by the very nature of the sacrament. So let's jump right into the catechism. This comes from Article 4, the sacrament of penance and reconciliation, paragraph 1422. 
those who approach the sacrament of penance obtain pardon from God's mercy for the offense committed against him and are at the same time reconciled with the church which they have wounded by their sins and which by charity, by example, and by prayer labors for their conversion. So, moving on, it is called the sacrament of conversion because it makes sacramentally present Jesus' call to conversion, the first step in returning to the Father from whom one has strayed by sin. How beautiful is that? How fitting is it within the story of the prodigal son, right? So, we have to convert. We have chosen to turn away from the Lord within our sin. And those are the things that we know we're doing, right? We're, those are the, sin, the sins that we are confessing every time we go to confession. And how many times have we gone confessing the same things? And how many times have we done stupid stuff like trying to disguise our voice to make sure the priest doesn't know it's us, right? And you got to imagine the priest does. I mean, you know, right? I, I haven't ever really asked, but that doesn't really matter, right? And that's an irrational fear, given that the priest is not acting as who he is, right? The priest is not acting as father so-and-so. The priest is acting in persona Christus, right? So they are acting through the sacrament of confession as Christ's own ear. We are bringing our sins directly to God in the sacrament of confession through that priest. Additionally. It is called the sacrament of confession since the disclosure or confession of sins to a priest is an essential element of this sacrament. In a profound sense, it is also a confession, acknowledgement, and praise of the holiness of God and his mercy toward sinful man. How beautiful is it that we can go, physically go to God and tell him the things that we are done. It's called a sacrament of forgiveness, since by the priest's sacramental absolution, God grants the penitent pardon and peace. And I love that part of the confession. I love that part of the sacrament. I can almost feel the weight lift off my shoulders when those words are spoken. And it's called the sacrament of reconciliation because it imparts to the sinner, he who lives by God's merciful love is ready to respond to the Lord's call. Go, first be reconciled to your brother. And that's from Matthew. I would say that part of the back and forth through and with this sacrament is why would one have to go to a priest? So let's jump into paragraph 1444. In imparting to his apostles his own power to forgive sins, the Lord also gives them the authority to reconcile sinners with the church. This ecclesial dimension of their task is expressed most notably in Christ's solemn words to Peter. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The office of binding and loosing which was given to Peter was also assigned to the college of the apostles united to its head. The word bind and loose mean, whomever you exclude from your communion will be excluded from communion with God. Whomever you receive anew into your communion God will welcome back into his. Reconciliation with the church is inseparable from reconciliation with God. I think that's one of the most beautiful parts of the act of contrition, right? So you're saying that you're sorry for your sins with your entire being because you acknowledge that you've done wrong and you have failed to act as Christ would act and, and acknowledging that that has severely hurt that relationship you have with God. 
whom deserves the perfect sense of who you are, the best person that you could possibly be. But then that call towards the end, as you ask for the Lord's help, specifically with the grace that is given to us through that sin, because you're, you're, as you walk out of, or the grace that you're given through that sacrament, because as you leave that, you're in this huge, awesome state of grace. We're asked to do penance, which is what the priest asks you to pray for. Some priests ask you to pray the five Hail Marys. Others ask you to reflect on some scripture, whatever works best for bringing you in that mindset. And then it challenges you to sin no more and avoid whatever leads you to sin. That is that reconciliation. You're taking that step towards rebuilding that relationship. The analogy that I've always heard is that I can sin and break a window, right? I can apologize to whoever's window I broke, but that doesn't fix the window. The window is still broken. That is something I still have to reconcile with because that physical damage has been done. Analogously, the damage has been done in the relationship between God the Father and me the sinner, right? God has forgiven me, but I still need to heal that part of my body, heal that part of my relationship with the Lord. I think that's a very forgotten word within the sacrament of confession, the aspect of healing that you get from it. And that's something that I recommend in the beginning, every time you go to confession, you know, you say, bless me, Father, for I've sinned. It's been however long since my last confession. I always lead into it saying, and I ask the Lord for a stronger sense of healing through this sacrament, not only to help myself understand the magnitude of this sacrament, but also to ask for that healing, which then allows me to hopefully build upon the grace that I've received in previous confessions to help me get over the habitual sins in my life, right? Moving on to paragraph 1468, the whole power of the sacrament of penance consists in restoring us to God's grace and joining us with him in an intimate friendship. Again, rebuilding that relationship, healing those wounds. Reconciliation with God is thus the purpose and effect of this sacrament. For those who receive the sacrament of penance with contrite heart and religious disposition, reconciliation, quote, is usually followed by peace and serenity of the conscience with strong spiritual consolation. And that comes to us from the Council of Trent. Indeed, the sacrament of reconciliation with God brings about a true spiritual resurrection, restoration of the dignity and blessings of the life of the children of God of which the most precious is friendship with God. Additionally, in 1469, this sacrament reconciles us with the church. Sin damages or even breaks fraternal communion. The sacrament of penance repairs or restores it. In this sense, it does not simply heal the one restored to ecclesial communion, but has also a revitalizing effect on the life of the church which suffered from the sin of one of her members. Re-established or strengthened in the communion of saints, the sinner is made stronger by the exchange of spiritual goods among the living members of the body of Christ, whether still on pilgrimage or already in the heavenly homeland. It must be recalled that this reconciliation with God leads, as it were, to other reconciliations which, pair, which repair the other breaches caused by sin. Again, not only are we called to reconcile our relationship with God, but also with the people in our lives. You can confess a sin and get mercy from the Lord, but you still are challenged to try and better yourself beyond that 
moment within the confessional, right? You're asked to not only heal that relationship with God, but also with the people whom your sins may have caused harm to, which is a beautiful challenge at the end of each confession. Um, I do want to read a little bit from St. Faustina's diary, specifically when it comes to the sacrament of confession. Now, these are some of the words that St. Faustina heard from Christ. Quote, Pray for souls that they be not afraid to approach the tribunal of my mercy. Write, speak of my mercy. Tell souls where they are to look for solace, that is, in the tribunal of mercy. There the greatest miracles take place and are incessantly repeated. To avail oneself of this miracle, it is not necessary to go on a great pilgrimage or carry out some external ceremony. It suffices to come with faith to the feet of my representative and reveal to him one's misery, and the miracle of divine mercy will be fully demonstrated. Were a soul like a decaying corpse so that, from human standpoint, there would be no hope of restoration and everything would already be lost. It is not so with God. The miracle of divine mercy restores that soul in full. Daughter, when you go to confession, to this fountain of my mercy, blood and water which came forth from my heart always flows down upon your soul and ennobles it. Every time you go to confession, immerse yourself entirely in my mercy, with great trust, so that I may pour the bounty of my grace upon your soul. When you approach the confessional, know this, that I myself am waiting there for you. I am only hidden by the priest, but I myself act in your soul. Here the misery of the soul meets the God of mercy. Tell souls that from this fount of mercy, souls draw graces solely with the vessel of trust. If their trust is great, there is no limit to my generosity. And how many times has that happened where I've had sins on my conscience. I've had things on my mind where I think, who can forgive me this many times? How many times can I continue to run to the Lord without having some sort of consequence? Now, there's a fine line there between using confession as a sort of crutch or as a presumptive tool for you to continue to promulgate these sins in your life and allow these sins to spread into the rest of your life. But how beautiful is it that within that crutch within that tool of mercy, we are allowed to run to the Lord at any time and ask for forgiveness straight from the source and become immersed in that ocean of mercy that comes pouring from the heart of Jesus. Just really beautiful stuff, and I recommend that if you have a chance, uh, definitely check out St. Faustina's diary. There's more, plenty more about confession there and about mercy, especially divine mercy. Um, Just really good stuff to talk a little bit about that as well. Um, specifically, again, of how important that sacrament is. So if you haven't been to confession in a long time, I'd, I would 100% recommend that you make the trip. It'll be worth it. You won't have to make this large pilgrimage to the Holy Land. You can simply just go to your church within any scheduled time of confession. It doesn't necessarily even have to be that. If you want to, just ask a priest to hear your confession at any time. He'd be more than happy to do it, I'm sure. And if not, he'd schedule one as quickly as he possibly could. So I think I'm going to leave it there. I think it's a good peek into that. Again, I have a lot of really good things coming down the pipe. 
I'd like to bring a priest on to talk a little bit more about confession and the perspective of the confessor, but I'd also like to bring in a lot of different lay people. I've spoken to some people to come in and talk about dating, especially in today's society, marriage, marriage prep. Uh, I have a lot of really good resources for that because everyone else seems to have their life put together um, and is in the process of getting married or already has been married. Shout out all friends who have been married or are engaged. Yeah, I'm going to leave it there. That's a good place to stop. So again, if you haven't had the chance to give us a follow on Twitter at tiniest twigs, shoot us an email tiniest pod at gmail.com. You can find me at Max Boyum on Twitter. Rate us on iTunes. Please, please, please. Five stars. Help keep my morale up for that. Tell us what we could be doing better because we can always we are always available and wanting to learn more about that. Again, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter, check, check. And the third check, go to confession. It's a beautiful sacrament and something that, again, I strongly recommend that you do just for the sake of that feeling of healing. And you'll experience that, again, through the words of the priest. I absolve you from your sins. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go now. Your sins are forgiven. How beautiful is that, right? What a great challenge. So, all right, that's all I got. We'll see you next time.